Welcome to the Chicago Bears Podcast. A presentation of ESPN Chicago. Chicago's home for sports. Here's your host, Pat, the designer. Baradon Bears fans, welcome into another edition of the Chicago Bears podcast. Pat the designer, Courtney Cronin here for a Tuesday episode. And my goodness, do we have a lot to get to, a ton of concerns. First quarter, we're going to identify, I mean, first first half of the show, we got to talk about <laughs> injuries here, Courtney. We got a ton of injuries piling up. We've also got a couple of pieces coming back, so maybe looking into some of that as well to leave on a positive note. In the second half of the show, we're going to get into into this preseason game at this point is it logical to even throw Justin Fields out there and in the fourth quarter we're going to get to your questions we put it out on the YouTube on Twitter as well so some of the fan questions that have been sent into us and we'll get the answers from our own Courtney Cronin who's in the building at Hallis getting to see everything that's going on during this ramped up practice week Courtney how are you good it's a weird Weird time of year because it's the in-between between training camp and the end of the preseason. One week from today's roster cuts, so you've yeah. got a lot of position battles going down to the very wire. So it's a, it's a chaotic time, and then you throw all these injuries, especially with the offensive line that was supposed to be the unit of stability for the Bears, and all of a sudden it's not. So there's a, there's a lot going on, no shortage of um, things that keep you busy up here. There's no such thing as a Bears training camp without some level of stress, right? I think that's just par for the course at this point. We can't make it through without feeling good. Let's jump into some of those injury concerns. As we get started here in the first quarter, because I think top story here is what we heard from uh, Coach Flus today, right? Talking about Tevin Jenkins. Coach Flus, I've, I've talked about it, how he talked about Lucas Patrick mm-hmm. last season, right? Day to day, day to day. And then all of a sudden he was gone. We find out Tevin Jenkins today is week to week. So in my mind, that basically means that we're preparing for his funeral. Like, because if Flus is saying week to week, that means that this is something that he probably expects to be serious. What are your thoughts on the Tevin Jenkins injury as we stand right now? It's not great. And from what I was told yesterday, uh, it's a leg injury. Now, there's some, some gray area out there. Is it both legs? Adam Schefter was on NFL Live and said... He had heard it was two calf injuries. So that would be that obviously would make it much worse. But, you know, from what we heard about the timeline, like when I was checking in on it, I was told like an unknown timeline. So that doesn't give you any clarity about back for week one. And what we know now is that it's week to week, week to week puts you right at the beginning of, you know, if you're thinking 20 days out from the, from the Bears Packers game, he's not going to be ready for week one. So they've yeah. got to find contingency plans for that. Their contingency plan right now is that Cody Whitehair is, while he's dealing with a hand injury himself, is a better fit at left guard than an Alex Leatherwood because of the experience he has at that position. He played it last year outside of those couple games that he was on injured reserve. He, you know, lasted there the entire season otherwise. So, I mean, there's. There's a lot of moving pieces for a unit that didn't have a lot of moving pieces. And for Tevin Jenkins, this is nothing new. It sounds like a new injury, but this guy has dealt with injuries throughout his career, whether it was his neck and then, of course, excuse me, his back. And then last year, you know, the neck injury that he had towards the end of the year and and certain things we talk about with him 
it's just very strange timing. And we didn't get any clarity on the timing because he practiced last Thursday when we were in Indianapolis. He went through an entire practice. He talked to us afterwards. If a player's injured or, you know, knows something's not right, they're not typically going to go through with media availability and deal with, you know, answering questions if anything comes up about their health, which it did. Like that was a question that was asked to Tevin last week about, you know, you're getting through training camp practices. You're not missing time because he had had one day back in August. He left practice early, missed the next practice, but then was back. Yeah. And then like it felt like, okay. The issues for him and the injuries are at least something that he's put in the rear view. How is he handling this now? And he was talking about how he felt like this was a good sign in the, you know, step in the right direction for him and his career to be able to be out there on the practice field. So the fact that he's not, and the fact that this is going to be something that will last quite a while. I mean, week to week with this team, you're right. Remember last year, like Lucas Patrick with the hand and it was day to day. It was week to week. And Oh, by the way, he had hand surgery and we're just now telling you about it. Like that's how, that's how this team wants to operate with injuries. That's their prerogative. But I think that they have a lot of concern um, behind the scenes right now because of what's happening with this unit and because of how this team that was supposed to be the strong link this year, they invested so much into the offensive line. And then to see, you know, four fifths of the offensive line, the starting unit right now dealing with injuries, that's not a great place to be in 20 some days away from the start of the regular season. Yeah. And here's here's the concerning part for me is right. Like, where are we heading with this? Because the back injury seemed I mean, he came in with the back injury. Right. And, and mm-hmm. you know, Ryan Pace, whatever, you still drafted him. You believed in this guy when he's on the field and healthy and ready to go. He's one of those strongest guys that we've seen on the field. He's probably the best offensive lineman we've got as far as versatility goes. He's been able to play right tackle, left tackle, right guard, left guard now. But realistically, right, you're talking about a young man who in two seasons that so far has played 19 games. If he only misses, say, beginning of the season, four to five weeks, right, you could be talking about him playing the last 12 games. That's still... In his three-year career, he would have missed 19 games. And that's expecting him to play the rest of the season and be able to go into the playoffs. With this back injury, it seems like it's just affecting everything. I know he's talked about kind of all the different things that he's tried to do to mitigate this, but I've said this multiple times. With guys this big, when you have back injuries, you're usually not able to mitigate it, and you're kind of just heading towards best-case scenario here on the uh, on the football field. And so... I have a real concern, not just that Tevin Jenkins may be in and out this season, but this could be the theme of Tevin Jenkins' career moving forward because it's been the theme of his career to this point. And we don't know if this, if like, you know, it's a leg injury from what I, my reporting was that it's a leg injury and we don't know what that stems from. Again, I went back and I watched, you know, like you didn't have film of it, but you, you, you think about everything you saw and the one-on-ones. And I remember watching Cody Whitehair get, you know, tangled up with his right hand in one-on-ones. Like that was an obvious one. There was nothing obvious about this happening with Tevin Jenkins and any of the joint practices. So was there something that happened that he discovered after the fact? Was it a, an injury that, you know, was lingering and then there was some sort of something that got exacerbated. And then like he wakes up Friday and he's in a significant amount of pain. Um, The bears are being very vague about it and that's okay. Again, it's their prerogative to handle injuries that way, but it brings up way more questions about what's going on and 
how all of these injuries keep popping up at the same time and trying to keep it all straight because you have guys like him who are week to week, but then why is Jaquan Brisker not week to week? And Eddie, you know, Eddie Jackson, Eberflu said he got rolled up. I saw him get smacked in the helmet uh, yeah. when he was ta- trying to tackle Michael Pittman. So I don't, I thought that would have been a head injury instead of, got rolled up. So I'm not really sure how you're up the hockey levels of injury. Yeah, no, it's, it, 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 upper point, body, it, lower body. Yeah. At this point, the team should go ahead and classify stuff as that if they want to be as vague as they are, because it makes it really difficult to talk about, to keep track of. And, yeah. you know, there's no competitive advantage from hiding injuries. There really isn't. I think that teams are, you know, have an antiquated view of doing things when they try to go about it that way. But again, their prerogative, that's how they want to handle not, business. And that's cool. But not if the guy's not going to play, you know like, what I mean? Like that, that's, that's the thing. It, if he's going to be out for several weeks yeah. and like, here's what they have to do. They have to, they'll carry him They'll carry him through onto the 53 man roster. And then if this thing ends up being, you know, missing time well into the first month, they'll put him on IR because he'll have to stay there for four weeks before they can activate him. But they obviously, they have to carry him through uh, to get there. But it's, you know, it's tough because you just don't like, with the way that they're shuffling things around, I don't think it gives you much confidence when you're looking at this offense, knowing that Justin Fields is going to be well protected. Like the last two days in practice, then yesterday was like, I wouldn't even call it a walkthrough yesterday. It was kind of more like a, a speed walkthrough because it definitely had moments in the red zone where they were in hurry up mode and they were, you know, they were in shells, but it wasn't just like, you know, a simple Friday walkthrough that you see in the season. Like this is, it definitely felt like it had more emphasis on it. It went an hour and then today they're in pads and there's moments where you question like, Hey, is it the smartest thing to play Justin Fields in this last preseason game? Is, is he going to be okay behind this offensive line? And, you know, the question right now is a giant incomplete because you just don't know what this next iteration, you know, because everybody's in and out of the lineup. Like Lucas Patrick was in and out today. Like he didn't, you know, yesterday he's at what looked like full go. He was taking every first team rep with the ones in this walkthrough speed through practice. And then today, even though Matty Brifflew said that he, you know, was out there for individual and out there for team, I didn't see him take any team reps today. We were out there the entire time. It was Dieter Eisland and it was Doug Kramer taking reps at, at center, uh, you know, with the first team offensive line. So, yeah, it's just the ambiguity is one thing, but I think the questions around this group and the concern around this group is more than valid at this point because of how much they've invested in this offensive line, how much they've been banking on this offensive line to be, you know, to fix some of their issues that they had this year. And it doesn't feel like they're going to be able to, unless they sign somebody and, or unless they trade for somebody, which at this point, you know, would probably cost a pretty penny. It's not like you're going to go to like the waiver wire, you know, and have claims when, everything rolls around next Tuesday and find somebody that you feel like is going to be a better replacement than what you have. Like they're going to be rolling with this group and with their backups. And I guess that's an okay place to be in better than the alternative of having no depth, but this is unproven and untested depth. Um, and, and it just kind of leaves a lot to be desired. Yeah. A hundred percent. It feels like we're going right back into what we were in last season um, and, and I mean, listen, you got to look at the other side of that line too, right? You, you, uh, reported on this as well that, you know, Darno Wright ends up dealing with what seems to be a little bit of an ankle injury. Was it a rolled ankle? Did he get stepped on? What happened in there that, uh, that led to him being on the sidelines? So this was towards the end of practice on Tuesday. So today, and he, I saw him 
it was in the middle of a team pill, a team period, and they were about to, um, like they were, they, you know, had just run a play and it was, it was hurry up mode. So like he had to limp off the field, kind of like scoot limp off the field, like get himself off quickly and went right to the, right to the sideline. And I thought it was cramps at first. I really did. Cause like he went and like laid down, um, a trainer came over to, to, to meet with him. And like, the only reason I can talk about this, by the way, is because just to let you guys know, this is, we're in, we're in in-season mode right now. So these type of practices, we, that's why you don't see the live reports going out there. It's why you don't see anything when, until Eberflus addresses it. The things that happened yesterday in practice, we had to wait till today. I'm just trying to like, you know, open the curtain here behind yeah. this just so you understand. So like, you know, there aren't the like tweets of Darnell Wright goes down because we're technically in a closed practice and you have to ask about it first, which is why I asked Matt Eberflus what he saw from that. And if he had any clarity, he said he did not, but I'll tell you from what I've seen because I've, I asked that question that makes it fair game. So he goes over to the sideline, like kind of like lays down. I think it's cramps. Somebody starts like taping his right ankle or like at least, you know, like maybe like trying to like tighten it or something else like with like more tape on it. Um, and he's, when he gets up, he's still limping. So he doesn't right. go back in. He's got his helmet in his hand. He's standing behind the rest of the team, uh, watching the watching practice finish up. But when you see that and you think, okay, that's a major, like, you know, your antenna pops up on something like that yeah. because you haven't had a single injury issue with this guy or with Braxton Jones, your bookends on the offensive line have been healthy. And now the right tackle who, again, we have no clarity on no word day to day, week to week, month to month, who the hell knows. But like, it's just, <laughs> it's one of these things that you have to keep an eye on that one for sure, because that's your number 10, that's your 10th overall draft pick. This guy yeah. you just invested a ton of money into, and you want to make sure that he's good to go. So now is this a matter of, all right, he's out for the rest of the week. He's out for the rest of the preseason. Just get him healthy for week one. It could be, again, we don't know the true severity, but he was limping and I laid my eyes on him and he was limping. So I, it's not great news to come like to, you know, to, for, for when you're thinking about like, if you're a bears fan, you keep hearing all these things and it's like, man, hit after hit after hit. And then you add this one into the mix and not knowing that we, like what the certainty is, we won't hear from me, Matt Eberflus until Thursday. So yeah. we'll watch practice tomorrow. We'll watch practice Thursday. And I think all you're going to find out is just kind of like, you know, truly from our observations will be the personnel they're utilizing in place of some of these guys, which was Larry Borum today in place of Darnell, right? When he got that's, hurt. That's, and, and that's, that's my concern, right? Like, not to say that I expect the world from Darnell in his first season, but I know what I get from Larry Borum. And it's, it's you know, okay at best. And you, you're looking at, as you get further into the depth on this line, that's kind of how you feel about all of them, right? Alex Leatherwood, mm -hmm. Lucas Patrick, I feel stronger about, but it, like Lucas Patrick's the main one that we look to from last season where we go, all right, but can he stay healthy? Can he be on the field? He hasn't been healthy throughout training camp. I think all those same concerns that we had last season starting to rear their head again. And, and the troublesome part about that is, I guess the only like to, to give Bears fans a little light of hope is receivers will catch ball when balls when Justin Fields is you know, ro rolling out to the left. They're going to have to run a lot of play action. If this is, if this ends up being the kind of what's, you know, dooming them more or less, or like a big hindrance to what they want to do offensively, you can't get in a straight drop back game. You can't, if your pass yeah. protection's that bad, um, 
then you've got to find a workaround and a workaround are the bootlegs. It's play action. It's, you know, rolling, moving pockets, getting him away from it. So he's able to make those throws on the run and receivers are going to have to adjust too. This isn't just an offensive line thing. As we know, when, when the timing up front affects, you know, what the quarterback's doing, that's going to affect the route depth. That's going to affect what routes you can run and in which plays you can call them because it all is about timing. So it's, it's it's I always say football's like an orchestra where the well the best the best teams are the ones who are all playing the same note at the same time. And I think that's a very difficult thing to achieve at all times. And when you have injuries, that changes the key more or less that everybody's playing at from trying to make this music analogy because it's just there's so many new elements to this with new personnel coming in and moving personnel around in the health element. You know, we're at August 22nd. They were relelatively healthy up until the you know the first week of training camp um, when Nate Davis went yeah. out and and still, even he, I, if you go to my Twitter account right now, I laid out what the injuries are. So it's like, you know, Cody Whitehair is day to day with the hand injury. They've moved him over to left guard. Lucas Patrick is in a ramp up mode. He's close to being full go. He'll be the center if um, if white, you know, in, in for the time being. Nate Davis still in a ramp up period because he and Jatari Carter were splitting reps again with the ones. And then of course, Darnell Wright, big unknown, but it looked like an ankle injury. So the only healthy offensive lineman you have right now is Braxton Jones. That's a scary proposition. Yeah. I if mean, you're Justin Fields, that's a scary proposition. <laughs> oh boy. Just when you thought you fixed everything. Uh, we'll keep this moving along. Cause there's still a lot to get into. We, we still got, you know, some some of the linemen to look at and what the expectations are. Let's jump into the second quarter brought to you by the Hard Rock Casino, Northern Indiana. See Gypsy Kings featuring Nicole Reyes on September 29th at Hard Rock Live. Tickets on sale now at Ticketmaster.com. It doesn't get better as we keep going on here in this first half. And I think that's the uh, that's the part where you, you're, you're just you're hoping to hold on, right? Let's keep in there, Bears fans. We're almost there. Maybe it gets better at a certain point. Uh, but I guess I, I, I'll say this, right? I'm positive on the fact that this player is still usable on this offensive line at this point. You you uh, talked about Cody Whitehair and how he showed up with the hand wrapped to practice, getting in some reps over there on the left side. Is that an expectation of where we could see him during this yes. season? If if like this hand injury thing, and if they have to keep shuffling, but I think it's like what it's a chicken and the egg, right? Because Tevin Jenkins goes down. That's what forced this move to happen. Right, white hair going to left guard, but like had Tevin Jenkins not gone down and Cody Whitehair is dealing with the hand injury, where do they play him? You know what I mean? It's like there's all these things, but because of that situation, that's why he's back at left guard. And I asked Eberflus about. Alex Leatherwood and what this is, this is experience of that position winning out. And it's not to say that they don't trust Leatherwood. I think yeah. it's just the path of least resistance for them to take the player that was their starting left guard last year and put him back there for the time being, because, you know, the blessing for them was keeping Lucas Patrick around because the guys played, you know, multiple spots in the interior, including yeah. center. And it's a, it's a position where there's always injuries that you have to account for. And that's one of them. So this is probably his best fit. I know that there were moments last year where he kind of looked a little bit out of place, even though like I thought he was pretty sturdy throughout most of the season and he had never dealt with injuries 
this was his first IR stint that he went on last year. So I thought that was a very positive sign as far as, you know, his durability. But the fact is now that may be who they're rolling out with there. Like the way that you see it again, like we'll find out tomorrow what's going on with Darnell Wright. But the way that you see it right now might be the starting lineup, Braxton Jones, Cody Whitehair, Lucas Patrick, Nate Davis, and then Darnell Wright, unless he's injured, Larry Borum, if he's not able to play like that's, there's a lot of moving parts. And um, I think that, you know, at least with white hair, he's a long tenured veteran offensive lineman. He knows this offense. He knows the system. They it's, it's, if you had to have something like this happen, at least you have a guy like that who can, who can move around and be as flexible as he is on the interior. And this isn't even right. Like you said, it's because of the experience already being there. Alex Leatherwood has actually played better than I thought he would have. Yeah. Uh, seeing him in a couple of preseason games over on that left side. You know, we know he can move in and out of there. He can play a little bit on the right side as well. I'd rather see him on the left side if I'm picking and choosing. But, you know, it allows you to have that depth of that guy that still can come in and be fresh when somebody needs a breather, somebody needs a break. Still having that swing tackle. I mean, how many offensive linemen realistically are we looking heading into the season that are going to be on this roster? Are they pretty much keeping everyone who we've seen rotate in just about? Well, I mean, if you, if you try to project out like who as of right now, so it's just like this, let's just do the starting five on paper as is. So Jones, Jenkins, Whitehair, Davis, Wright. Cody Whitehair, they get him through onto the 53, then they put him on injured reserve. So there's a roster spot available. But that's not one they can address until afterwards. So I think it would be whoever they can sneak onto the practice squad. But, you know, there's five right there. Typically, it's anywhere from like eight to 10 is what most teams will keep. Usually it's eight or nine. Yeah. Borum, Leatherwood, Lucas Patrick, Jatari Carter. There's four right there. And then, you know, if center depth is such an issue at this point, is that Doug Kramer? Is that Dieter Eisland? I know they just claimed Logan Sternberg. And it's funny because like so many people keep bringing this guy up. And I'm like, I don't, I don't know what, I don't know what the hype and the buzz is. The guy got cut from Lions. If he was good, he wouldn't be cut. (laughs) Yeah. I just, I think people are freaking out and grasping for straws. So that probably is why there's that intrigue there. But all that said, those are nine names I gave you more or less that I think will very much be um, on the roster come week yeah. one. And they might have to go heavy because they're, you know, they, they have to carry Tevin onto the active roster just to be able to get him onto IR. So it's a, um, it's a tough proposition and that's where you're going to have to end up looking at the waiver wire and you're going to have to look potentially like depending upon how bad some of these things are, you know, it could lead you to be looking on other people's teams. And this is why the preseason is so important because the tape that's out there from the preseason games, where if you're looking and saying, all right, they might cut them because they're heavy at this spot. And uh, you know, this guy might be available come a trade. I don't think they'll do that. I feel like it's not that dire just yet, but if we find out that this Tevin Jenkins thing is going to linger, if it's a situation that this injury is worse than they had initially expected, then maybe, Maybe that's something that's a route that they want to go, but just certainly not yet. But that is that is a car that they could play. How are and I know he's probably hasn't done a ton yet, but do you think that Lucas Patrick is still comfortable at that center position? That's what he was brought here to play. That's the funny thing about all of this. He was brought in the room to be our starting center and he's been everything but to this point. Yeah, it's. 
Go ahead. I think with Lucas Patrick, so like what an what an unlucky start for his Bears tenure. Like he find you know undrafted guys, he made his mark in Green Bay as like a you know a guy who can play a lot of different positions. He finally gets you know it wasn't a huge contract. It was like two years, eight million. Like when he signed, and then he gets hurt, and like now yeah. it's his chance to play the position that he was brought in here to do. Because I remember last year it was him coming in. It's like all right, where are you playing? And center was immediately the thought for Lucas Patrick. So yeah. I, I think that it, all of the only thing that really matters in all of this is the timing between the quarterback and the center and making sure that that connection is there. So, you know, his cadence, so you know how to not like have a fumbled snap. And we've seen that so we saw a lot of that last year, unfortunately. Um, and, and that's, that's tough, like to make sure that you master that. And I think that Lucas Patrick for having been injured himself for a couple weeks of training camp, Matt Eberflew says he's in a ramp-up period, but yesterday he was taking all of the one reps at center during their speed walkthrough is what we'll call it. I don't know. It, was de- <laughs> it definitely had a weird vibe. Like It wasn't a true walkthrough. Um, they were in shells, yes, but like there were definitely some moments of hurry up and, and other things that they were trying to practice. So he took all of those reps, yet today he didn't. It was Doug Kramer and, and Dieter Island. so maybe it's, maybe it's just because they were in pads. I don't know, but... Um, that was, uh, it's definitely interesting to think about him being back at that spot because we, the jury's still out, frankly, because that we only saw him in one real game of action at center. And what we remember when he had the club on his hand, he didn't go back to center last year. He was playing over at guard, um, which is why they can do that with Cody Whitehair because you don't need you know, the dexterity, I guess, of your fingers to snap the ball between your legs, like in holding on to it, you need to be able to have hand placement. And they, one thing I noticed with white hair, so he showed up late to practice. We don't really have any sort of clarity as to like why that was. It came in, he came in about an hour and 15 minutes late, but immediately it was after a team period. I see him stretching. He's got his helmet on. He goes over to do individuals. And when they're throwing the medicine balls, like, you know, it's a blocking drill. Um, He's participating in that wrapped right hand and all. He's basically wearing an oven mitt that I made out of tape. So (laughs) um, that's a good sign. I think because if, if, if that hand had to be immobile or if it was something that could get re-injured really quickly, I don't think they'd have him out there doing that. Yeah. My favorite thing with those is always to see like when they use it to their advantage, just like a weapon all of a sudden, just like take somebody across the helmet. It's just like, oh, okay. Yeah. That's, that's a, so, so, so we can't throw the tile on the sideline, but as far as the club on the hand of a guy, you can just beat someone over the head. I'll always, that's always my favorite thing about seeing offensive linemen with the clubbed hand. Hopefully it ends up, listen, week one of the season, we're sitting here talking about, can you imagine us all worrying about nothing for this? I don't think we're heading that way, though. Let's head into halftime, because halftime's my favorite time of the show, where we get to talk about anything. And my anything today, Jonathan Taylor. Courtney, where's Jonathan Taylor going? You know, I saw, I always get these email odds, and I think the ones that were at the top were Buffalo, it was Dolphins, Buffalo, and then the Bears. The Bears, according to whatever website it sent me this, it might have been Bovada or one of the um, one of the websites we don't use. Uh, yeah. That's not one of our partners, but Bears had five to one odds. And I just, I sometimes wonder, and I know they've got, you know, third or fourth most cap space north of 18 million right now. They have, they could if they really wanted to, but I don't, if the asking price from what 
Stephen Holder and Adam Schefter are reporting is a first round pick. Yeah. First off, this makes no sense. You don't want to pay the guy yet. You're going to get a first round, round pick value. and it, you, you're giving him first round value. You get a first round pick in exchange. You're going to end up extending whoever that is more or less down the line, even if it's a running back. Um, it's just, it's very weird that they went this route to even get here in the first place. So I've always thought that Miami, like Miami missed out on Dalvin Cook because they didn't want to pony up $7 million or, you know, their price was not at what the Jets were willing to pay for Dalvin Cook, yeah. but they still need some help in that running back room. I know that they they drafted the guy. Um, of course, they have uh, Raheem Mostert there as well. I think Jeff Wilson's still down there, if memory serves. They have a weird running back room, and it was a 25th rushing offense last year. And I say weird because there's nobody – if they want to be a bell cow system, it doesn't work for that. But, like, I don't know if that's what they want. I feel like they can be a running back by committee approach. Yeah, because it's Raheem Mostert, Jeff Wilson, um, Devin Achain, the guy that they drafted in the uh, yep. third round. Like, they've got a good group. If you add Jonathan Taylor to that, that takes your group way over the edge, and that's a great – like, in a good way. Like, that's a really big addition, but do they want to give up a first-round pick in the process? Remember, this is a team that lost a first-round pick last year because of the tampering charge, and it just feels like the Colts have a super high price tag, and they might be doing it as a way to kind of stick it to Jonathan Taylor because I think if they wanted to move him, they would have they would have come down without – it's just – it's it's such a – passive aggressive move to be like yep. we're not even going to pay you we're not even going to entertain the idea it's because here's the thing it wasn't like there was any offer on the table for him earlier this summer like hey take this offer no i don't want it okay well then you and then you'd be at an impasse i get that there wasn't any of that no talks of a contract extension nothing and they're headed towards a franchise tag for him if he plays well this season so he's not a value to you yet you're asking for a first round pick like what what is it here because that that's a really really shitty look uh on the on the entire Colts franchise that like that's that's showing and that's probably not the general manager's fault honestly I feel like Jim Mersey has driven the bus on this and he's you know I don't blame Chris Ballard for this because I know that a lot of this is coming from the owner who does not value the position of the running back. He thinks this is a passing league and that's how the players that you should be rewarding. And he's had some very explosive comments and even the ones that I had heard that did not get printed even more explosive than that. Like this is, this is something that's gone off the rails and it's gotten to such a weird place because on Saturday when Jim Mercer is on the Colts broadcast in the third quarter, he comes on and says, we're excited to have Jonathan Taylor back. Kind of felt like a bygones are bygones. Like I know he's fighting for his family, all this stuff. And then Monday it's, Oh no, we've granted him a request. Like he can go seek a trade request or he can go seek a, a trade when they, after weeks ago, when Jim Mercer is like, nah, we're not doing that. Like we don't need to, you know, where, what did he say? Like, I could die tomorrow and the league will move on whether Jonathan Taylor's in it or not. Like a lot of really strange comments and all of this. And I, I just thought it was funny that the bears were put as like the team with the third highest odds, according to this thing that, you know, this website that emailed me this morning to be interested in Jonathan Taylor. I don't see that happening. I really the, don't. The team, I don't think they the want to give up that... their extra first round pick next year, <laughs> knowing that they don't know about the quarterback 
that they yeah. have currently yet. They, the jury's still out, and they've got to figure that out before they're willing to part ways with any draft capital. The team that wasn't uh, willing to go over $6 million for David Montgomery. That's that's the team that's given up a first-round pick. You know what I mean? Like, I get it. Who he did. By the way, live look here to uh, Chris Ballard just stressing <laughs> every time Jim Hersey opens his mouth. You know what I mean, like, it cracks me up. And I will time. say, David Montgomery's, <laughs> Jonathan Taylor's a much different he's running no back. David so yeah, like, yeah, 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 he's no like, uh, Jonathan Taylor. Like. But, like, I mean, you are right in, in that, where they were, they were hard-capped around that $6 million figure, and they wanted to keep Montgomery, and he felt disrespected by that number, so he went to Detroit. But it's, it's definitely... I don't know. I felt like that was such a weird thing to come they in from practice to no yesterday. They pulled, and, I th- and I think they, they did that purposely. I think they did that purposely because they don't want, I mean, they don't want him gone because you screw over your rookie quarterback who needs somebody to take some of the pressure off of him. And watching how good Anthony Richardson looked um, in moments at training camp practice last week, I kind of feel bad for him that this is a situation he's walking into as a rookie because now he's the guy. He knows that. He's QB1, but they don't have any sort of fail-safe for him to make sure. Like, I mean, the running back room is pretty nondescript behind behind him. They've worked out some guys. They've, you know, they haven't signed anybody yet because yeah. that would be a giant, like, weird situation. It's like, you're not going to pay this guy. We're going to sign so-and-so. I don't know. I don't like it. I don't like it at all. I think that Jim Mercer has completely mismanaged that, and it's like falling onto the front office to try to clean up his mess. Yeah, a hundred percent. Like, uh, like many of the owners do, which is hilarious because the the fact that like him and Jerry Jones have a beef because he feels owners shouldn't get involved. Anyway, <laughs> I mean, yeah, not calling the kettle black. There, it's just it's Jim Mercer's done. He's done some good things, like when he called out Daniel Snyder. And of course, I think he kind of walked some of that back, but like, you know, his words stood yeah. Then he does dumb stuff like this. And it's just like, good Lord. Like the, the person who's, who's losing in all of this are, are is the quarterback is the quarterback. I mean, even last stinks, year, right? Like, for him, even last year in the draft where he's just like, you know, I really like that boy from Alabama. Like, all right, Jim, but right, you take, but you take five to 10% off there, Jim, like maybe let's not give away the entire game. plan. Uh, let's head into the third quarter here, uh, because I think right with all of the talk that we've had with all of the offensive line concerns, we've Mm -hmm. talked about, we've got a game coming up versus Buffalo game three, the starters played basically. I mean, I I don't think any starter played in that last game. Yeah. Except for Sanborn. Sanborn is the only one that played in that last Colts game. Is this a game where we're going to see the Chicago Bears possibly throw Justin Fields out there? Is it logical because there's such a difference now at your offensive line? You probably don't want week one to be the first week that you're using. It. Oh, it's tough. That's a big thing. Like, especially if what if we find out this Darnell Wright thing is worse than, you know, if, it, if it's day to day, that's one thing. But like, what if it's not like what if? You know, or what if they're like seriously concerned? Like, okay, we can't play him on Saturday. Do you yeah. want Larry Borum in there, and then Braxton Jones, and then are you, you know, with Lucas? There's too many moving parts. I don't know. I feel like the safe bet right now is to think that they wouldn't play, which is wild, an absolutely wild proposition because yeah. these starters need reps. 
And they're now like kind of hamstrung by the health of the offensive line because they're not going to want to put Justin Fields out there. And rightfully so. Why would you put him out there behind an offensive line that could get him like seriously injured if something goes wrong? I mean, they're still trying to figure this thing out and it just feels like they have, you know, run out of options that at least are good enough options for a preseason game when like, if it's not worth it, you're not going to do it. So I would imagine if things don't improve with like the guys that they have, you know, white hair, Patrick, like Nate Davis has to be good to go. Like I I know he's in a ramp up period, but he's got to be good to go if they want to have him out there. And then everything's going to else is going to hinge on Darnell, right. And whether he's healthy. So We'll see, but right now it just kind of feels, if you're looking at it on Tuesday, I think the safer bet would be that they don't play. It's it's so wild, right? Because it's weird because realistically you're going to play what? Two series, maybe three yeah. at most mm-hmm. coming in. It would definitely this. be. So like last year, I think he played nearly the first half against Cleveland. Yeah. And that's a good ev- chance for evaluation, but I don't think that they do that if um, – if, if these guys are hurt, absolutely not. No way. No. And then it would be the question of, well, do you give them two series? Do you give them three? Do you go one? Like I, at that point, if you have that many injuries, I think the safest thing to do is just keep everybody on ice. But again, then it's the other side of this coin where you're dealing with the rust factor going into that game against green Bay because Jordan loves playing every preseason game. As far as we know. <laughs> yeah. He he's going to feel comfortable. Same, I'll tell you same, what, he's going to be able to run the script. Yeah. Bears fans are going to be terrified that first, you know, couple of plays or a couple of drives down there because he's going to be able to run the script. And that Packers offensive line, as much as I can't stand it, they do look good. The O-line looks really good up there. So we'll see kind of what that is. But I think here's here's my biggest question around playing him or not playing him is how many of these injuries or, or just playing the starters or not playing them. How many of these injuries are injuries that these guys would never be out for if it's not? If training it's, camp, yeah. if it's not preseason, right? Like when we get mm-hmm. to week one, I think this Matt, I mean, like the list on uh, 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 sat last Saturday was hilarious. Credit to to uh, the, the crew that we have at ESPN for being able to do a post game yeah. show, a pregame show, and a call of that group that we threw out there. But right, like if we get to week one, I I think even Eberflus expects this list to shrink dramatically by the time week one rolls around. And that's why, like, when you think about Claypool, excuse me, Claypool, any of these other injuries that appear to be soft tissue that they've been dealing with now for a couple of weeks, Tremaine Edmonds might be in there. Like, we don't know. Granted, he did come back today. He's in a ramp-up mode. He's, I know we keep using that term. Like, for anybody who's not aware of what that means, it means they're probably just going through individual and that's it. Yeah. Slow playing this thing. The slow playing part matters, though, in this conversation because you typically don't have time to slow play something when you're getting back from an injury. You have to reach a certain threshold. There's obviously certain tests before they're like, all right, you know, no, no restrictions on you. You're not going to be 100%, but you're good enough to go. They don't want to chance that in training camp. So... When September, what is it? September 6th, September 5th. Yeah, September 6th will be the Wednesday before week one. When that day rolls around, that's when we get our first injury report. And we'll probably have a good idea of who's on there. But if it's lengthy, um, who knows? Because just because it's lengthy doesn't mean that everything's like going to keep somebody out of a game. So if you you have an injury, you have to report it. 
least, you know, you're supposed to report it. So that's why it shows up. And guys, you'll see throughout the week, even if they're like cleared and they're not on the final injury report, if they're dealing with something, it's going to be on there. So I, um, I know that like, we're all kind of eager to see, all right, what does this thing look like? But I do think that they have been, and they will be erring on the side of caution now when they still have time to do so, when guys can still be locked in and other forms of practice. Like we had heard, and I asked Jack Sanborn about this today, like the, you know, Tremaine Edmonds has been part of every walkthrough. He's in the yeah. meeting room. Like he's locked in, he's engaged, even though we have not seen him out there in 20 or 18 days, something like that. So it, it definitely matters from that perspective, but I also think that, you know, there will, we'll at that point know how severe things are. If guys like a Jaquan Brisker and any Jackson or Claypool, if they're still on there and if, if they're still not practicing. No. Yeah. And, and I think that that's the part where, you know, seeing Claypool be able to go through a walkthrough and, or a ramp up, I should say, seeing, you know, Tremaine Edmonds even getting out there. It's kind of like, all right, guys, like real football is coming. We got to get back into this. The guys who we haven't seen go back out there for this ramp up part are the guys who've been out there for most of the time, right? Yeah. You're Jaquan Briskers, you're Eddie Jackson. We've seen them playing games. We've seen them get themselves ramped up to go, you know, heading into those different games. So I, I'm kind of, as much as a concern as the offensive line is for me, I kind of feel like a lot of the injuries that we see on the defensive end, I'm less concerned about because literally like anytime you ask him about it, it's just like, you know, we, they'll be there week one. Like that's yeah. basically what he's saying to us every time we hear it. So yeah. And that's, you got to take it at face value for right now because they yeah. have undisclosed or not disclosed so many of these injuries, but it is something to keep an eye on. And it is relatively concerning because of how, how many guys they've had out. I mean, I don't know, even last week, I know that they said with fields uh, that they had thought about it like the night before. So I guess it would have been last Wednesday when they tell us on Thursday, he's not practicing, but of course, and I, and I believe there's some truth to that. I believe that they went into the week thinking, let's get him as much action as we can in these preseason game in these preseason practices. Matt Eberflew yeah. said as much. And then, then let's like pull him like then let's see if it goes according to plan we won't play him but then I also think some of the injuries along the offensive line factored in last week to them saying nah like let's just really be safe about this and like yeah. make it not about as much about Justin but like hey all the starters aren't going to play all yeah. the starters got enough work with the ones and they, and they did yeah. but I I do think that the injuries that they have do dictate like what they do in the preseason in these games, especially this last one too. And I th listen, I, at the end of the day, my favorite part of this is th these guys know the politics of this. If mm -hmm. Justin Fields had played a bad game that first game, he probably gets out there in that second game, but he has a good joint practice and he had the good game. Yeah, we're not going to throw him out there. We don't care what you guys see because you <laughs> saw the three plays and we saw joint practice. That, that that does play a part, right? Like for, for Packers fans right now, you got to hype up Jordan Love. He's got to be out there all three games. We need something exciting. Fourth quarter. <laughs> let's, uh, let's head into this fourth quarter here where we want to hear from you guys. The fourth quarter, uh, hopefully, you know, unless something crazy happens here and we have to run down a large list of something, we want the fourth quarters to be about the fans, fan questions, questions from you guys coming in to ask our experts that we have here. We've got Courtney in the building. So I put the question out on Twitter. Make sure to be on the lookout for that 
every Monday through Friday. It'll be going out before the podcast. We got some good questions here today, Courtney. Uh, From Chicago's at Chicago Sun-Times, where will the Bears' focus be in the waiver wire? Well, that's a great question. So like they're number one on the order because of their three and 14 finish. So they're going to have, um, they could be very active next Tuesday once cuts happen and then they can start claiming players that could be their sweet spot to really, really get after it. And I would say, of course, offensive line, like even, even if like everything looks okay coming out of this week and this weekend, I think that's a spot where if they can find some interior depth, they do it. If they can find, um, you know, if they can find somebody that like maybe another backup center, maybe another guard, you know, it doesn't, it, I just keep thinking about the guys that they're going to be cutting, you know, at this point, you're not worried about cap casualties. Usually it's like it, where people, where teams are heavy um, and might not be able to carry everybody. That's, like you're not getting top top end talent, but I think that they could find an offensive lineman there. I would not be surprised if they end up trying to get um, maybe another defensive back. Like right now, that seems like that's like the strength of this team, and it is. But again, we're still dealing yeah. with t- injuries of the two starters <laughs> right now uh, at safety. So, like, and I'll do my 53 projection this week, and I think right now, if like I'm projecting that position, of course. Um, Elijah Hicks and AJ Thomas are the front runners. I don't know. Kendall Williamson might be able to get on. Maybe he goes to the practice squad, but if you're not comfortable with that depth and maybe that's where you look to get another DB in the mix, but it's yeah, like, I think they could benefit from it from a lot of places, but I don't, I do think just because of the nature of the offensive line and what, what they're dealing with right now, that's probably their biggest concern defensive on the defensive line. This was the biggest outlier, the biggest question mark going into training camp. Yet yeah. now we're talking about, is it Terrell Lewis or Travis Gibson potentially for the final you know, pass rusher spot? So they're in a much better spot, I think, than they were a couple of weeks ago. Certainly getting Unique Ngakwe there helps. But Unique Ngakwe right now, day to day, we have not seen him since Indianapolis. Demarcus Walker, allegedly still day to day. He practiced last week, and then I guess something maybe at a setback. Who knows? But... <sighs> These injuries keep things very interesting. Who's giving guys veteran months? That's what's happening. Yeah, that would be that'd be the easy way out on all of this, and and unfortunately, it doesn't work like that. You wish yeah. it did, but it's it's such a tricky proposition because as they're projecting things out, it's not only all right. Where are we thin? Where is another team heavy? Who do we have our eye on? But like what do we feel about our guys and their health? Like if, you know, if that's a factor, then that plays into the equation of who you're picking up and who you're not. No. Yeah. I, I think if there's uh, listen, if there's a veteran left guard, like I think you got to go out and look yeah. at him. Right. Because realistically, if Tevin comes back, Tevin's a monster. But if Tevin comes back is the, 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 title of Tevin's book and when and when because I mean if he's gonna have to miss time well into the first month of the season you're getting him back for what like week five like week six like that's you know a long time that you're having to adjust within his absence and you know if because I think the jury's still out on Lucas Patrick at center because we never really got to see him do it. Like he made three plays. He looked good. Yeah. And then he gets hurt in new England. Like if he, if he looks good at center, then yeah. maybe they're okay keeping him there. But it's, it's wild that like their plan that they had going in where, you know, and, and part of the reason here too, let's not forget that like Cody Whitehair 
Any other year, normally he's probably a cap casualty, but because they had the money to spend, they want to justify that contract. Yeah. He, they moved him from guard to center. And then that led them to move it, to go in to get Nate Davis. And then them getting Nate Davis moved Tevin Jenkins over to left guard. And I'm sure it's probably and guys, and I'm sure front office people get used to this, but it's a shock to the system where it's like, damn, our plan that we had for the last eight months got blown up because of one injury here and the domino effect it created. Yeah, no, a hundred percent. Chicago Rilla. <laughs> All right. I like the Twitter name uh, says who's returning punts. Is DJ more really a viable okay. option or are they just kicking the tires? So like, no, I think, and, I, and it's a question that came up yesterday. I asked that question because here's the fact, like in training camp, when we're watching special teams, you never see DJ Moore back there. Maybe like very, 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 very rarely. I can't recall a day where I remember seeing it happen. And yesterday was a walkthrough, speed walkthrough practice. So DJ is back there doing that. And the reason I asked Richard Hightower about it was because, you know, of course we know, Valus Jones, Tyler Scott, like it's a battle between those two because Dante Pettis is hurt right now. And Pettis was back there standing around. So I thought, And, of course, I know what the depth chart said. The depth chart says DJ Moore's the third at punt returner. No, he's not. No. (laughs) Like, Tyler Scott has a better chance of being the third guy. Like, I understand why they do that. And, of course, receivers and DBs. Yeah. They can catch a ball. They can fair catch it. That's all you'd ask DJ Moore to do, potentially, in an emergency situation. I think it was just him getting a rep back there. But the question had to be asked because we don't see this that often. You're not having your number one receiver – Fielding punts, he's not like it's not going to happen. But he does have experience doing it. I know he did it in Carolina. I believe he did it in college as well. Like you know, most receivers have some experience with it. But it's I think that that would be like he's not the he is he is an option. He is not the number one option. So rest assured, it's not like they're going to start using DJ Moore back there. If they if they like were down that many receivers, they'd be trading or trying to sign for somebody. If that if it was like doomsday scenario where DJ Moore was the only one to do it. Yeah. It, it, I, I I was laughing because, right, like when I saw I think I saw DJ Moore the back there once or twice during training camp. It's so but it was slim. The, it, like, was the, it was the like, remember Khalil Mack when he was going through and everybody's going hard on the drills because they're trying to make the team and he's just like backhanding the thing as he goes through. Like it's DJ Moore like catching it and like dropping it. Well, don't you remember back. last year? I thought about this last night. David Montgomery, remember they were toying around yep. with the idea of playing <laughs> yep. him on special teams? How'd that work out? <laughs> Didn't see him once. Back yeah, there. yeah. It's it's always uh, you got to test an it. Idea just, and it's a testing it out, and it's an emergency situation. And if you, need be, they could use him, but I guarantee they won't. We saw the video. Justin Fields was back there. I mean, yeah. if anybody's going to be the elusive person, I let's throw. I Justin. thought I feel like they put that out there to like kind of counteract this thing with like the DJ Moore discourse because I'm sure some people were like freaking out when they heard about it, but yeah. like it's. I don't think it's that big of a deal. I no. think that this is a situation where it's he it, he he literally has caught the ball, but he was I, back there, which, you know, it is interesting. The bigger thing that comes out of this is like, do they trust Vela Jones? Because I know that Richard Hightower said that like he's focusing on this year and like last year, like what happened last year's last year. You know, it, somebody had asked him about Vela in the long in the leash, like how long is leash? He's like, well, I don't think it's any longer for him or shorter for him than anybody else, but. 
when you're thinking about this in reality, you got to be able to, as your coach, you got to trust the guy you're putting back there. You got to trust yourself that you're putting somebody back there who's not going to muff a punt and cost you a game. He did that twice last year. So I, um, I think that it's interesting to see, you know, and Valus could very well be again, ramp up period because he was in practice last week. Then he wasn't Thursday. didn't play Saturday because he was part of that group that didn't. And during yesterday's practice, you know, he was, you know, it was a walkthrough speed today. Didn't see him do much. So he's still probably in that quote unquote ramp up period, but to me, that competition for punt returner becomes him and Velas Jones, him yeah. and him and Tyler Scott. I don't even know if Dante Pettis, if, where he is in this, because he's been so injured from the NFI to whatever he's dealing with now. And and remember, guys, Travis Homer's still on this team. Yes, he, that's that he, too. He also can do it. Like, there's a lot of names we can get to before we get to DJ Moore. Don't worry yeah. about it. Let's finish it off with this question. Last one. Shout out to Clean Demeanor at Brandon. Uh, what are the odds of Travis Bell making this team right now? You know, I was projecting out my 53 just like initially earlier, and we were talking with Travis Smith, the defensive line coach for the Bears, and. I remember there was like this notion that out there, this guy was a tweener and he really, he wasn't, he wasn't, he's small, he's undersized. Yes. But they played him at three technique at, at, at Kennesaw state last year. So um, he may not be as big as a Zach Pickens or a Jervon Dexter, but he's still, but there've been plenty of six foot in between sort of guys that have made yeah. careers that have been successful. I I'd say he's on the bubble right now. I bet they can get him onto the practice squad. Like, I think this is somebody who, you know, clearly they fell in love with the person when they went through the draft process. You remember Ryan Poles gushing about him when he was talking after, um, after he was drafted, just about how much he really enjoyed that, that top 30 visit that they had. But on top of that, I think that there's their depth. Like they're, they have a good solid rotation right now with the four that they have on the interior. Um, And then if you think they're going to carry maybe four or five at edge, that would probably make Travis Bell the odd man out. But I will say, like, he's had a he, – he looked he looked good. I mean, going against the units that he went, went against, which were, like, the twos and the threes in Indianapolis, I thought he held his own. And I thought that, you know, for him, like, what, what Travis Smith had said today, the coach, was talking about, like, he was, you know, constantly is knocking these guys back. And you're – and he's not losing. Like, he's not – he's holding his ground. So yeah. – I think that's important. I think that he, Travis Bell is a, is a long shot to make this roster, but a great story. And, you know, it's somebody that they clearly like. So usually when that's the case, you're on the practice squad. If you can't make the 53, I I hope he, I hope he makes it through, through all of the waivers and stuff like that, because he's one of those guys. Every time you see him, you just think the same thing. He's like a meatball. Like he's like literally shaped like a meatball. And then you see him like, go through his reps and, and attack the line. And you're like, oh, he's actually kind of terrifying. I can see him being good in this league, but we'll see what it ends up being. That's the Chicago Bears podcast. Pat, the designer, Courtney Cronin here for another episode. Hit that like button, subscribe to the page and drop comments on everything that you heard here. I mean, listen, a lot to get into. Where's your concern level on the offensive line? I think is the main question that we'll have pinned today. Let us know how you guys feel in the comments below. As always, y'all stay safe out there, Chicago. Big Bear Don will be back tomorrow with J-Mac, Jason McKee to break down more as we head into this Bills game. Peace.